Day and welcome to the Pandemi Show. Stories of the Pandemi for people living in the Pandemi. No one is alone on the Pandemi Show. Thanks for joining us as we unite humanity through stories of hope, connection, and community in the face of the global pandemic. We are all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Thanks for taking a moment to like, subscribe, and follow the Pandemi Show on social media. G'day and welcome to the Pandemi Show. Thanks for joining us as we transcend time and space to smash white supremacy with Janice Jolie. Janice is a talented singer, songwriter, actor, spoken word poet. I recently attended a rally against white supremacy in Baden, Ontario, and I've reached out to Janice to talk about my experience and talk about this uncomfortable situation. It's an uncomfortable conversation that needs to be had. That's where growth occurs. Janice recently re-released her play, Will You Be My Friend? A radio drama exploring identity. It shares the uncomfortable truth racialized people experience in a white-dominated world. I'd encourage everybody to check it out to help them reflect on being anti-racist and learning about other perspectives and what other people in our community are experiencing, especially other perspectives different than your own. Since the pandemic show started, racism and structural inequality has been a major theme. Today, the pandemic show once again takes a stand to support anti-racism. Janice, we recognize and thank the First Nations people whose land we are on. In your play, Will You Be My Friend, you share what it's like to be from a different background and the conflict that arises between assimilation and maintaining cultural identity. Identity politics have been very divisive lately in North America, and it's refreshing to talk to an artist who is having tough conversations to spur growth and reconciliation. In your radio drama, you encourage white people to explore and recognize our privilege, to listen to Black, Indigenous, and people of color's perspectives, to give power that doesn't belong to you to the people who it belongs to, to take a leading role in fighting white supremacy and hate crimes in the white community, to work to ensure justice is equitable, and generally uh, work to unite humanity. It is a pleasure and honor to have you here on the Pandemic Show today. Can you tell us what your life was like in the global city of Toronto (laughs) before the pandemic struck and how your life changed March 2020? Yeah, I mean, I moved back to Toronto after growing up here in 2018. And I was living my life of being a full-time artist, performing, touring, running workshops, doing spoken word and music. When the great panorama hit, I was at the end of a music teaching residency in inland British Columbia and was doing a little like two week tour around British Columbia. It got canceled as everything started getting canceled. In that period when we started seeing for the first time hearing about social distancing and we weren't wearing masks at that time, but I was in Vancouver and like, I remember waiting in a bakery and we were like, oh, oh, we're supposed to stand two meters apart. Ha ha ha, you know? And I was trying to get home. Then that period I went through Vancouver airport, Calgary airport and Pearson airport. And I was like, I better go home and isolate. And I was actually at the BAM center for the arts when the real shutdown occurred. So then the last show of my tour, which was being golden, 
we did it, you know, my first live stream concert of the Great Panorama and then made my way home and watched every single festival and event I had lined up for the rest of that year get canceled or moved online. You went from being out touring your work to everything shut down and you ended up back in Toronto in lockdown. Yeah. What were the changes that you noticed in Toronto when the lockdown and the pandemic started? You know, Dave, one of the coolest things, I, I was living by Hyde Park at that time. And just seeing a sudden disappearance of all vehicular traffic, right? Suddenly, like I could bike down Bloor and not feel scared for my life. It was actually pleasant. And the biggest thing that I noticed in the first week were the birds. I would go outside and the birds were just constantly having a symphony. It's like they were all gathering to confer, like, why? where are all the humans? Where are all the cars? <laughs> we have total, you know, domain over the land. And I felt like they were celebrating because I would go outside and it was just constant symphony of birds. Maybe they were always that loud and I just couldn't hear it because of the noise of the city. But it was really cool. I really liked that kind of nature got to have free reign for a while. I made a connection right away that I've been observing now a neighborhood fox and mm. seeing its patterns and whatnot. So I also feel that I'm since life has slowed down and we're staying home as much as possible. I'm connecting with the nature just in the backyard and around the house. And Angela Bishop, she said the same thing as you. She said, it's never been so safe to ride a bike as it is when the pandemic started. So it's interesting that more than one person has the same observation. In the spring of the pandemic, we weren't prepared. We Mm -hmm. didn't have PPE. We were just learning about physical distancing. As the pandemic progressed, we've adapted. Now in Ontario, we're back in a lockdown. The anti-mask crowd is out. The vaccination is in full swing. Every day, something new could happen. A Chinese rocket just fell back to earth yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Every day is something new and unique. How is Toronto now a year into the pandemic, but people are starting to kind of snap? What are you noticing a year in where you are? Yeah, I think at the beginning, we were afraid right and we didn't know what the new social contract was when we were outside or going to the grocery store and a year into it we were more comfortable with the new like mores and how we're supposed to behave but now because the provincial Ontario government has proven themselves to be negligent and not listening to the medical experts now we the public I would say in general have a sentiment that we know better than public health or we know better than the Ontario government right so like when they're shutting down playgrounds or shutting down outdoor sports they're like why I don't I'm I'm not following that if I hang out outside with my masks on we know from the data that outdoor transmission is very unlikely right so we are flouting public health Uh, recommendations because it's proven to our government has proven to be negligent and idiotic what we're seeing now is the lack of discipline as you're talking about the anti-maskers the entitlement of public space really taking over any kind of sentiment for like caring for the larger collective community people want their individual freedoms back more than they care about protecting poor people working class people the working poor who are dying and who they don't know right? If I'm talking about rich people. So in Toronto, I think it's super neighborhood based. It's so clear from the data who is getting sick, people who are forced to work even when they have COVID or when they they are sick, 
poor people and people of color in specific neighborhoods. So, you know, I'm in Midtown. It's not really a threat here. You know, I'm, I'm just outside of a hotspot and I'm not really in a rush to get the vaccine, David. Like I can wait my turn because I'm not doing anything that really puts me in harm's way. So it's super neighborhood based, I would say in Toronto. That's a really interesting observation about community and local community. I agree. In Ontario, they weren't on this from the beginning. They kept the borders open. They've never taken a COVID zero approach, which is the approach in Australia, New Zealand, the Maritimes, places that have been able to reopen. The provincial government, I think, in Ontario has showed its ideological biases. Rather than protecting people, they've clearly said that some people are expendable, but they have time to develop green belts. They have time to develop wetlands. They're helping their billionaire friends by putting highways through. Listen, Dave, we know that the provincial conservative government doesn't care about people. They only care about profit. It's there's no question about that. I wonder what's going to happen as we get into the next election cycles and what the next government's going to be like. Are we going to have a unity government or are we going to have another hard line agenda. One of the things that really has upset me by the provincial government, even before the pandemic, and it really showed me what their stripes are, is the Laurel Creek Maple Sugar Shack public education program got shut down. Hmm. One of the few public education programs that's been around for decades that's taught about First Nations and helping early colonial settlers it got shut down. That, I think it really demonstrates what we're dealing with here. But I like how you said that people are being resilient we know what's going on and now we know we kind of got to we kind of got to look out for ourselves because if the government had our backs they would have been more supportive of shutting borders earlier on like the provincial government now 13 months in is saying shut the borders shut the borders too too little too late and they're deflecting they're deflecting their own responsibility at this point like they didn't take responsibility right so now we have as you say we have to take responsibility for ourselves and our own health and safety it's the trust is gone It's interesting, too, how this provincial government now needs the nurses, needs the teachers, needs the public sector workers. It needs all the people it was attacking in Mm -hmm. before times. Mm -hmm. I'm following nurses on Twitter and just every day outraged about the conditions. Dozens of nurses are quitting every day. Meanwhile, they fly in nine nurses from that Maritimes and they like make them out to be heroes. But they're still only making thirty five to fifty dollars an hour a day. And it's all women's work, teachers, nurses, you know. Stuff that really yeah. drives the community, keeps the community strong, makes the community stronger. Yeah. We're about to come into June 2021. Do you think we're going to, we're locked down for the month of May. Do you think there's going to be arts and culture over the summer? Stratford Festival, one of my favorite festivals. I've been going since a kid. My grandma lived right up the road. They're hoping to open up with outdoor tents. Yeah. Last year, there was some small outdoor theater along the Avon River. Outside is safe, inside not safe. That's what I'm telling myself as we enter the vaccination, second summer of the pandemic. What are you hoping the art scene will look like over the summer? Like so many artists have have content. Like I'm, have you been writing albums and working on all kinds of things once things open up to get out, get out to your fan base? Yeah, I'll be recording my album this spring, summer. And, you know, performances have moved online, which does give you some actual like new media to explore, to do live interactive film, essentially, right? But I am hoping this summer there, 
we can have some semblance of festivals because festivals are generally, you know, the outdoor festivals. We are better at distancing and wearing masks. So I think maybe there will be a little bit of a beginning of that, but we can't get um, too ahead of ourselves. There was some studies happening in Europe about three hours if you're serving alcohol or if you're serving anything, people will be disciplined. But once you go past that, once you go into five, six hours, people start hugging and they start dancing close together and you start to lose that discipline. So we'll see. I'm not holding my breath. And I would prefer that we just hunker down and actually get out of this than get and in, go into what would it be a fourth wave? To some degree, I don't even think we really shook the second wave. Having leadership that's goal was never to eliminate the virus. They opened up and it surged again. It's a, unfortunate. You mentioned how it might not be the right time to start getting together, but we have adapted so we can, to some degree, get together in reduced capacities. I was blown away last spring when 15,000 plus people rallied in Kitchener in support of Black Lives Matter, came coming out of police murdering Black people in the States, Breonna Taylor. George and Floyd, the Kitchener. list goes on. The yeah, list and, goes and on. In Canada, yeah. And in Canada, we have the the Black Lives Matters and the I Don't Know More movement trying mm-hmm. to address and get justice for the missing and murdered Aboriginal women. And 15,000 people masked up, tried to physical distance. That blew my mind. I agreed with the cause, but I was just too afraid to go out in public back then, bubbled mm-hmm. with some seniors in my family. Mm-hmm. But then when I recently heard that there were some Flyers that were being identified as white supremacist flyers in Baden, Wilmot Township, part of my traditional territory where I spent a lot of my time and I love. Mm -hmm. It made me think I can't stay home any longer. I was excited to see how the organizers of that event, they had an inclusivity event. Mm -hmm. Now it wasn't sanctioned, but the community went out. There was over 50 people on the lawn. There's people in their cars honking. That's what I did. I didn't get out of my car. And that's what I thought was great. It was advertised as a car event too, where you didn't have to get out of your car. You could only participate if you were going to physically distance. And it was interesting to see how the community quickly responded to some hate literature being disseminated, Mm -hmm. got together in a really safe way and tried to build community and turn something negative into a positive. And Mm -hmm. how they adapted to having it a car rally and you could drive around and honk your horns. Baden has seems to be a lightning rod for controversy around the prime minister's statues. The John A. McDonald statue was there. Mm -hmm. That brought in white supremacists from outside of the community to do a save the John A. McDonald type of situation. It brought other people with a different perspective. It got a lot of dialogue going. And now Baden finds itself in the center of this next uh, discussion around how can we be more anti-racism and help these and help squash white supremacy. Are you seeing that kind of thing in Toronto or other jurisdictions are you hearing about this from from people or is this one of the first of its kind where they're having stay in your car physical distance i, I don't i haven't heard of oh, i've heard about like other stay in your car like there was some outdoor concerts in parking lots and everyone it was like a drive-in kind of concert where you'd stay in your car but not a political no. type of event and you know it proves dave that how creative and innovative we are that you can still have a rally or a demonstration. I mean, you have to have a car, you have to be, you know, there in person, get there in person somehow. And I'm excited that people are motivated enough to put in that much effort to now finally demonstrate, like physically show up for anti-racism. 
because the history with Waterloo region, like the Black Lives Matter rally in 2017 had a hundred people, right? The one last year that you mentioned, you were saying 15,000, someone counted. And it was, I think it was actually closer to 30,000. Wow, 30,000. It was the biggest rally in the history of the region. And I'm sure many thousands of people came from out of town, but still astonishing. And also at that time we were kind of on lockdown. So kids were out of school and were able to come. Like there was a lot of teenagers I remember seeing, which was great uh, because the next generation, they're all revolutionaries and anti-capitalists, which is very exciting. Though they're growing up in a time with much less opportunity and access. With Baden, my suspicion is it's probably a handful of people who are causing all the trouble, who are like, you know, making those White Lives Matter posters. However, I would suspect that the whole community is complicit in allowing that to happen, right? That no one is actively... Like generally in white communities, no one is actively trying to be like the Ku Klux Klan and being racist, but that the dominance of white culture and white supremacy, meaning that whiteness and white culture is seen as supreme, like the norm, right? The dominance of white culture that what when people when white people are saying white lives matter, they feel like they're being attacked, like the Black Lives Matter movement is attacking white people, saying white people need to stop being racist. And so white people are feeling like their dignity is being aff- affronted. Right. And so in their hurt, like it's, it's actually what that is, is their feelings are hurt. Because these white people have never been challenged before on their whiteness and how their white culture is dominant and oppressive, right? So they're trying to fight back and like fight for their dignity, but they're not realizing that what we're asking, you know, what the movement is asking for is justice and accountability. And when you've had everything easily and had such an entitlement to the whole world your whole life, asking for fairness or asking for sharing can feel like we're asking you Uh, to give up things. We're asking white people to give up things that they don't want to give up. And it can feel like from a white person's perspective that now suddenly they're being oppressed, which they're not, but because they've never been challenged before and they don't have resilience to people challenging them on their entitlement. It's a new experience. It's a new experience and it's difficult and how they're responding, how some people are responding, not making things better. Yeah. And I also think that 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 initial conflict is necessary, right? It is better that these people have put up these White Lives Matter posters than not. Get it out in the open. Get it out in the open. Yeah. Find out who those people are so you know who the bad apples are, but also get that community dialogue Mm -hmm. about, you know, times have changed. Yeah. I know I grew up in Waterloo 40 years ago. And when I was in school, there was very few minorities or visible minorities, people of color, mm-hmm. black, indigenous, people of colors, BIPOC people. And they would assume the ones that were there would assume English names. Now I know Waterloo region's very much different where there's a lot more diversity. People are not switching their name as often, I believe, or there's not that that vibe isn't there anymore. So there's been a lot of change. There's been a lot of change. And yeah, the conflict, conflict is where growth happens. I agree. And when you're uncomfortable, it's usually because you're about to learn something. If you allow yourself, if you open yourself to that. I'm uncomfortable even talking about it right now. I must admit. Word. I know though, I'll feel better after having this conversation. Hmm. Having talked to other people on the pandemic show, Hmm. a lot of this kind of conversation I've heard from other white people or in your play. Uh, Pale humans. Pale humans. 
one lady now is in a book club where they read BIPOC authors and they're trying to get more different perspectives so they can, you know, be a better ally or be part of a, a broadening community. Right. I wonder what's going to happen next in Baden. One thing I've noticed since the weekend is there's purple signs up saying Black Lives Matter, Indigenous Lives Matter, People of Colors Lives Matter, and they're they're all over Baden. They're competing with the Hearts Beat Hate sign put out by the Hearts Beat Hate, Let's Be Kind, and the uh, anti-lockdown. There's more, mm-hmm. there's more of these than the anti-lockdown uh, signs. It's interesting how much the landscape has changed, just even driving your cars around this issue since Saturday. That's interesting. Yeah. And we're talking today on Monday. So that's cool because then now people feel the need or the responsibility or the pressure to publicly show their support, right? And the Baden area, Wilmot, it is a Mennonite area. And Mennonites mm-hmm. are the peaceful people yeah. or they have that, that, that perception. They wouldn't participate in military conflict. So a lot of them came over to get away from that. Mm-hmm. When the land was when the colonial situation arose, so it's an interesting dynamic, and I think like the Mennonite Central is actively anti-racist. They're very supportive of everyone, all the people of the earth. I got to tell you, it's exciting, Janice, to be building bridges of inclusivity here with you today. Well, trying our best to smash white supremacy. <laughs> Can you? Yeah, it's a lot of uncomfortable conversations. That's for sure. It's like you feel it in your gut. That's where I feel it anyway. In your play, Will You Be My Friend, you talked about how over the over time, your family's been displaced by colonialism. Mm-hmm. That's part of your play where I made a connection because I know my the Wellhausers came over when Napoleon was doing his little colonial vibe. Mm-hmm. Colonial nation to colonial nation, I guess. It's interesting how these problems are rooted in history. All of us from different backgrounds do to some degree have similar been victims of it or some more so than others i'm enjoying being uncomfortable right now thinking that this is going to make other people feel uncomfortable which will make other people feel more uncomfortable and then we'll all feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and if this is if you have to feel uncomfortable to unite humanity that's what the pandemic show is going to do and this discomfort is like the on the low end of the spectrum of pain, right? Because on the far end of the spectrum is murder because of racism or murder because of systemic oppression. Like where systemic oppression is literally harm and violence. For me, I'm like a light-skinned East Asian person. The way I experience systemic racism is different than a person who has like darker skin than me or like a black person, let's say. So there are so many ways that as basically a white adjacent person who's university educated and speaks with a Canadian accent, I have so much access and power and privilege that I can use at my disposal. So like there are times for sure when I too get uncomfortable because I have made mistakes that are racist. And in that moment, you know, the instinct is to flee, to flee the discomfort and run the other way and avoid it. But what I've learned through my experiences is you have to go towards, you have to go towards the fire. If you want to put out the fire, you have to go in and through, right? And if you keep avoiding it and avoiding it, if I continue with this fire metaphor, it's just like the forest fire continues to grow. And we're like, there's no fire. And you're like choking on the smoke, you know, and it'll, we have to go towards the conflict if we want to address it. It's something that has to get talked about. And I'm glad that you were able 
to find time in your busy schedule to talk with us here on the Pandemic Show today. <laughs> no one's alone on the Pandemic Show. Glad to be here, Dave. I gotta say, the song at the end of Will You Be My Friend. Yeah. The music in your play was so diverse, too. I hope next time we talk, we can talk a little bit more about music. Would love to. What do you hope the world is like in after times? Once we're looking at COVID-19 in the rear view, what do you hope the world will be like? Hey, I'm excited about the wider public having a greater literacy around justice and equity, being more quick to action and demonstrations of public support for people who are being systemically oppressed. And the biggest thing I think that'll come out of this is gratitude, you know, just to be grateful to like hug your friend or listen to live music or be indoors at a restaurant with people you care about. You know, how much now we are learning to value nurses, value grocery workers, value restaurant workers, teachers, right? So to stop taking everything for granted. And with that, I'm hoping for some, like the movement, like the social justice movement will continue to build because we have actually built so much momentum through the, through the pandemic, as you see. So I look forward to it. Before you go, can I read you a pandemic poem I wrote inspired by a tweet about new development threats to Mount Nemo, one of Ontario's sacred places? Let's do it, Dave. Pandemic blossom. Reach toward the sunlight of your potential. Grow to the light of your interests. Creep like a toad through the rustling leaves, following the calls of your dreams. Be thankful for the bounty of trust, hard work, and fellowship. Mm. Reach for those loved ones around you. Reach right through the microphone, camera, speaker, and screen. Follow the moonlight to the garden of your imagination. Know it's right to love the trees, wetlands, aquifers, rolling hills of the moraines to the peak of Mount Nemo to protect our wild places. Together, even apart, our role as Earth's protector is clear. That's for that. I have found that writing poetry since about the summer has been helping me with the whole mm -hmm. world being different than it was 13 months ago. And getting to recite that poem to you, Janice, is fantastic. Several weeks ago, I watched Janice on a virtual poetry slam. <laughs> and wow, thank you so much, Janice, to, to get to recite a poem to someone I look up to as an amazing spoken word poem. It's really helping <laughs> with my stage fright. So thank you so much. Wonderful job. Excellent intonation. And thank you <laughs> for joining us today on the Pandemic Show. The Pandemic Show. Stories of the Pandemic for Stories the people. The for the people. Of the Pandemic. Of the Pandemic. Thanks for listening to the Pandemic Show. We're all in this together and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing the Pandemic Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the Pandemic for the people of the Pandemic. Do you have an interesting Pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemishow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the Pandemic Show.